Hello, 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 and welcome to another edition of the Niner Noise Podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. My name is Robert Morrison, a contributor at NinerNoise.com, and here with me to just absolutely blow the lid off this joint uh, is fellow uh, contributor Akshaz Dovadula. And Akshaz, man, how are we doing? Robert, you know, last week we said I lost at least five years watching that football game. Well, I like to say now <laughs> I'm I might have lost fifty because oh boy, that was <laughs> in my memory the craziest football game the 49ers have played that I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I had no idea what to feel the entire way through, even with one second left and it being fourth down, I wasn't ready to assume that they won yet. I was like, don't jinx it. Don't jinx it. Who knows what can happen, but Oh man, that was great. That That was, that was a core memory. I'd say core football memory for, You'll yeah. n- I'll never forget this one. Yeah, that was certainly one of the most bizarre, as you say, football watching experiences of my life uh, to go from like absolutely livid with everything that was happening in the first half and like throwing my hat across the room. I'm just like frustrated with everything, you know, <laughs> like and it felt like it was it, it literally felt like an everything that could go wrong was going wrong kind of thing, you know. The defense looks horrible on the first drive. The offense actually looks like it's, you know, I, I think the offense for the most part throughout the game looked like we kind of expected them to look against this against this defense. Um, and then, of course, the missed field goal and then the interception and the, you know, suddenly we're down 14 to nothing. And you're like, oh, gosh, like what's going on? Um, and then strangely, the the key moment of, of the game might have been what happened like right at the end of the first half when when uh when old dan campbell uh riverboat dan i guess we can call him he's i don't know is that is that reasonable <laughs> like i i don't know for some reason and, and obviously this is with hindsight we can look at that final drive their final drive of the first half where they decided eh, we'll just take the field goal right now as kind of a little mini turning point in the game now obviously if everything else had not happened it wouldn't have mattered because they're still up by 17 points but it's a pretty big difference from being down 17 and being down, you know, what, 24 at that particular point. Um, pretty big miss uh, um, from him. We're, we'll talk about everything that happened after that, but it just got crazy. Like, yeah, absolutely. A take two halves does not even begin to sum up what we watched. Um, but but we haven't said the Niners are going to the Super Bowl for the second time. Um, against the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> it's wild, man. It's just, it's crazy. Like they went to 431. I'm sure if, you know, if, if you're hoping that the Lions didn't score that late touchdown, um, I also was hoping that the Lions didn't score that late touchdown because, frankly, it added a bit of unnecessary drama at the end and, like, a really long conversation about an illegal touching penalty. Like, it's just, that, that last, like, 50 seconds was just absolutely bizarre um but hey you know in the end you, you're just you're just happy it's it's over and, and happy that the next two weeks will be probably most of the conversations about patrick mahomes and 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 taylor swift and 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 you know travis kelsey and i, I think the four is actually going to be really happy to just kind of slink into the you know sneak into the background and just do their thing and you know a friend of mine was was like well how 
how does it feel to like your team is probably gonna be like the 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 fifth conversation point of this entire Super Bowl is like absolutely fine with me. Like the less that we hear about all this junk and garbage about whether or not Brock Purdy's good or whether or not so-and-so's good or whether or not this is broken or that is broken, like fine by me. Let's talk about the Chiefs all we want. And then way that way when we get to the game, the 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 game will just be the game. Like that's kind of where I am at this point, you know, twenty four hours later. Yeah, I totally agree. I absolutely agree. And um honestly, it's a it's a weird, weird game. You know, I I love the narrative <laughs> heading into the Super Bowl is so interesting and we'll talk about this more and obviously at our website ninernoise.com you'll see like everyone's opinions on this because the Niners are favored to win the Super Bowl but no one who talks about the Super Bowl actually thinks the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl it's the craziest thing like the second they like won this game I was like oh man Kansas City you know they got it like it's going to be a great game but they're probably going to win because they have Patrick Mahomes and I think you know, there's been such discourse about this team. Now we get a, a little bit of breather. And I think it's good for the 49ers to be in a position where, you know, the discourse around them is that, hey, you guys, I don't think you have this. I think it's a role that they can play well. And I think Kansas City will latch on to the fact that they're, like, quote-unquote underdogs. And, you know, whatever bulletin board material you need. Right. Is cool. <laughs> well, but. But you know, sure. <laughs> I mean, such as it is, I think I think I saw like the the initial line was like two two and a half, but people started throwing money at the Chiefs like almost immediately, and it went down to one like almost within like an hour of the of the NFC Championship game ending. So it's not like so that would suggest that the the betting line is basically even, right? Like the expectation is it's going to be a close game. Um, and Vegas doesn't much care who who ends up being the favorites in it, so long as somebody, so long as money's coming from somewhere and somebody ends up a favorite. Um, we'll see how it goes over the course of the next two weeks. But obviously, that's not really our main focus. We'll we'll get into that next week when we start when we do preview more more preview centric type things uh, with the game. There's more things to talk about in this game. Um, first of all, crazy, 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 just like nutty statistics to come out of this one uh first of all obviously this is uh this was mentioned on the broadcast uh this is tied for the largest comeback in nfc championship game history 49ers of course tied their own franchise record after they came back um in in the 2012 nfc championship game in the win over atlanta that got them into the super bowl to face the baltimore ravens that season uh, they were also down by 17 points in that game and came back to 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 win it. Um, that is just absolutely crazy that, that this team that what three weeks ago we weren't even we weren't sure that they could win from behind have now done it two weeks in a row. Um, hopefully they're they're not planning on making the degree of difficulty any further, um, any extending that any further after being down by essentially four points heading into the fourth quarter. Uh, to be down 17 at halftime. I don't think that I can handle them being down by any more points, even though that would be pretty awesome to watch them come back from more points if they could do it. Uh, if I don't know. If you could guarantee me they were definitely going to come back, I would be like, sure, that'd be that'd be kind of fun, but it's, it's not something that I think I can physically and, and emotionally take. Um, <laughs> as, you, as you alluded to earlier, adding years to your life, especially uh, when you've got fewer of them than 
than than you do, uh, Akshaz, at this point. I, I I can't be given those those years away uh, for this. <laughs> just certainly can't. Um, the other fun, and this is just completely like uh, interesting and anecdotal. So there was this whole this whole thing on the on the broadcast. It was like the strangest part of the broadcast where they did this whole like throwback to 1957, uh, right? And, and they were showing the last, basically, it was the last the Lions wanted a, a road to playoff game. It was before the NFL even existed in its current iteration. There was no Super Bowl. There was no, there was, they were, were very few, there were much, many fewer teams at that particular point. They hadn't even merged with the AFL at that particular point yet. So this was a long time ago, 1957, and the uh, the Lions won their one and only rode the franchise, which is just kind of a sad statement on on life, um, by coming back against the San Francisco 49ers in Kizar Stadium uh, down there in uh, Golden Gate Park. Uh, they were down by a score of 24 to 7 uh, at halftime, and I believe the story goes they fell down 27 to 7 actually early in the in the second half and ended up coming back and winning the game. So the Niners flipped the script on the Lions in their attempt to get their second ever road victory on the, in the playoffs. And I just, it's a little, it's a little poetic. I kind of like it. Yeah. I mean, it's um, a lot of, a lot of narratives really out of this game. I mean, we'll talk about some of them that extend to the Super Bowl. but yeah, I mean, you know, the lions champing at the bit to get back again and the 49ers kind of taking that, quote-unquote underdog role essentially and especially with how the story goes that the 49ers back in 1957 were so convinced they were going to win that they started drinking and celebrating at halftime (laughs) against playing the Lions and the Lions at the comeback and then of course you know the Lions up 21-7 there was a certain player CJ Garner Johnson Mm. who was waving the fans goodbye and you know Mm. things that's why you there. play sixty. Yeah, that's why you play sixty minutes because anything can happen. I just never thought this would, but you know, yeah, I'm not, for I'm not sure. complaining. Um, absolutely. Without a doubt, Niners become the this this iteration of the 49ers become the first team uh, since the 1984 San Francisco 49ers uh, to beat all of the teams in the playoffs uh, that made the playoffs that season. Um, so the 49ers beat uh, the Cowboys, they beat uh, the Buccaneers, they beat the Eagles, they beat um, the Lions, obviously, and they beat uh, Bay, and I'm missing one other whose name is completely my brain. Oh, the Rams, obviously. Uh, all, all six of those teams uh, uh, this season, so that's pretty impressive. Uh, the, the, obviously, they played fewer t- teams. I looked it up. I can't remember. I think it was Chicago, the Giants, also the Rams, and I can't remember who the other team was, but it was only four t- teams that, that season that they beat. Um, and obviously one of them they beat, uh, I believe, in the NFC Championship game leading into the Super Bowl that season. So um, pretty cool. I mean, that, 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 that's everything has to kind of align that in, in a specific way to where your, your regular season opponents match up pretty well with those teams that make the playoffs. 
uh, a nice little little tidbit of information that they they beat all all uh, six six of those teams at some point throughout the season. Of course, two of them uh, in the playoffs when it mattered the the most, I think. But still, so cool. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And the thing is, if we think about it, they kind of like these last two games were probably the worst two they played against the NFC's playoff slate, which is insane to think about <laughs> with, you know, just how the season has gone. But um, absolutely. I mean, you know, we talked about this and we were a little coy about it because it's hard, you know, to be overconfident about this team, given what we've seen the last couple of years, but they were the best team in the NFC. I think they proved that rather consistently throughout the year. They had a little bit of a stop and start, but this was always to be expected that they would be the team to come out of the NFC. And I think it took them a rather circuitous route, but the end result is what I think you'd <laughs> expect to have happened when we start started the season. Yeah. It's, it's, it's maybe not the way we anticipated or expected it to go, but nonetheless, it, it worked out. Um, all right. So before we get any further, well, one other thing that I want to note. Uh, so today, as we're recording this um, episode, this 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 is gonna this is quite a, this statement is gonna tell you how much uh, the expansion of the playoffs has impacted the regular the uh, regular season and the playoffs and everything. So this is the anniversary on this day, January the 29th, 29 years ago. Um, Akshaz, do you remember that? Just kidding. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Niners uh, beat the. That's mean. Uh, that's mean. Um, the Niners beat the San Diego Chargers, the then San Diego Chargers, um, pretty handily in that game. Steve Young got the the uh, Super Bowl, the first Super Bowl victory he won as a starter. Uh, that was the last time the 49ers won the Super Bowl, and they're looking in two weeks to rectify the problem of of not having one uh lombardi number six uh for a good long while so that is um that is cool information um but you, you don't remember that game sorry I'm no making old jokes here for young jokes <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately uh my memory doesn't stretch past when i was born so woe is uh, me that's all right We'll get you. We'll get you one. We'll get you one. <laughs> um, all right. So <laughs> before we dive deeper into this game, we did miss uh, one thing that that we uh, neglected to um, to note. So there's third version um, of of awards of postseason awards that, that are handed out. The quote unquote official awards, um, like MVP, etc., are handed out by the Associated Press, and those awards will be announced um, uh, the night before the Super Bowl. Is that right? Or Friday night, before, the weekend before the Super Bowl? I don't, I don't know if it's the night before. Hold on, uh, February eighth, which is three nights before the Super Bowl. Uh, that's good because if it were the night before, that'd be kind of messed up. Um, but they will be handed out um, that season. All right. So, given all of those those finalists that we have, um, obviously the Niners have finalists in three of the categories. Do do we anticipate victories in any particular area? I think there's really only one. But do do you think that there's a chance that they could break into one of the other categories, or just the one? Do you think? I think it's going to be just the one. Um, 
you know, McCaffrey's definitely got Offensive Player of the Year locked up with. I think Tyreek Hill had a shot, but kind of tailed off at the end. An MVP, I mean, we could sit here and probably talk for an hour just about, like, dissecting this year's MVP case. And I think we'd make a really good argument for why Christian McCaffrey should win it. And an equally good argument why Brock Purdy could win it. But, um, you know, it's a narrative-based award. I think Lamar Jackson did some pretty good things at quarterback. And at the end of the day, it's a regular season award. So no one's going to hold this game he played against the Chiefs against him. And no one's going to credit Purdy or McCaffrey for their play against the Packers or Lions. And Coach of the Year, you know, I just – I don't think Kyle Shanahan might actually ever win one. Unless he goes to a different like franchise, which hopefully not. Hopefully yep. he has unprecedented success here. But that award is the did you do the most with least award, except for the one year it wasn't. Which was when Shanahan did that and didn't <laughs> didn't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so John so, Harbaugh will be winning the the Coach of the Year award once again. Just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think it's probably just McCaffrey, and it's a real shame that they don't actually recognize the best coach of the year award, which may, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, so that's the AP awards. Those are, as I said, the quote-unquote official awards of the award season. But the Pro Football Writers Association of America, just excuse me, just pro football writers of America. It's not an association also hands out their own awards. They do all pro and everything. Um, they've been doing this since like the early nineties. It looks like um, some notable names on the list. Christian McCaffrey did win their offensive player of the year award. Um, trying to think where else they, there might be some names that are, that are going to stand out. They also do, uh, they did um, all pro teams as well. Um, and as I'm trying to, to recall, I feel like it, the, I feel like the all pro list is pretty much the same from them. D'Amico Ryan's won their coach of the year award, which is cool. Um, I think well-deserved there. Um, but, uh, they, they do all pro teams and uh, again, same kind of group. It was, um, <laughs> you know, Kittle and, uh, Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, and I think that and Fred Warner, I think, were the the group that made it there. And then the only the only other interesting award uh, from the group that they that they handed out, they also do all rookie team. Um, so they do all NFL, all AFC, all NFC, all rookie team. Um, so <laughs> very kind of interesting the way that that ended up working out. Um, the 49ers had one representative on the all rookie team, uh, and that was Jair Brown. And at the time when it came when they released that name, those names, I was like, oh, goodness, like a <laughs> little thin at the at the safety position for the rookies that were handing that were giving uh, a, a place to um, a, a guy who barely who didn't even play in half the games in the regular season. And yet there he is. Um, I mean, good for him for getting that recognition. But I, th- I think it just it probably says more about the, the thinness of the the rookie position at, at safety than than anything else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I think Jair Brown's going to be a great player. I think he's going to be a starter along with Hufanga next year, unless Deshaun Gibson wants to stick around for another year, in which case there'll be some difficult decisions to be made. But definitely an underwhelming draft class from the 49ers, I'd say. But that's to be expected when you don't draft until the third round. Mm -hmm. They've 
This is a, I think we talked about this. This was a class minus Jake Moody, who not gonna, <laughs> not positive vibes. It's a, this is, we're happy. That's right. Happy that's right. That's right. That's a good podcast. Not, not gonna say, not gonna say anything. But um, other than Moody, this was a draft all about like replenishing some positions in need in the near future when the cap crunch inevitably comes and you've got to get young at some key positions. So, you know, I think the 49ers will gladly take the all pros. They'll gladly take the Super Bowl appearance if it means that they only have one rookie on the all rookie team, which again, Jair Brown being there, definitely odd, potentially unreasonable. I feel like that's more likely to be like an inability to think of a name that's not Brian Branch and then just going, oh, yeah, that guy in San Francisco, he played, right? He had that play against Mike Evans. We'll vote for him. So, <laughs> sure. you know, take the accolades as they come, but I don't, yeah, I don't think, it, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, yeah, it is. It, and again, these are these are uh, voted on by by writers. I, I'm not sure how the how the decisions are made for this team, but or for these teams and for these awards. They, I'm I'm sure. Again, there's some overlap between uh, the. Oh, I should say Jake Moody also. Sorry, Jake Moody also made the team as the the kicker. So good for that, him. That's just wrong. That that's. Um, that, I'm sorry. That's wrong. Yeah. That, well, that no. Wrong. I, I know what you're probably thinking, but um, the kid from Dallas is not eligible. He's not actually a rookie. They, he's ah, not. Okay. He, then he, I guess his it's a technicality, but he he had more because of his previous professional experience. His this does not count as a rookie season by whatever. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but yes, if that were the case, if he were a rookie, then yes, that would have been criminal for Jake Moody to make this team. But um, yeah, but as I think the pickings were slim after that. Uh, they could have picked that kid from 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 Green Bay. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! Uh, made you feel better about everything, didn't it? Anyway, so that's that's all the things. Those are the precursors and all these kinds of things that we needed to talk about. But now we can just talk about the game and like like what a what a game what a game it was. Like um, Nick Wright is still angry. Um, for some reason at Brock Purdy for doing stuff. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the, I, as we, as we talked about at the beginning, it, it was uh, being so very like down at the beginning of the game and going into halftime and just like, I don't know. I don't know if you, if you felt like I was real close to, I, I feel like if the lions had, had, had scored first in the second half, or scored it all in the second half um, <laughs> until garbage time. I, I don't. I don't know that I would have finished the game to be quite honest with you. Um, if they had gotten it up to like thirty-one-seven or thirty-one-ten or something like that, I feel like I probably would have bailed. And I know that's horrible, um, but I, I was nearing that point when when things started to turn around. Um, and even after the Niners scored the field goal on their opening drive, I was almost like, oh, well. <laughs> we will not be coming back in this game with field goals now, will we? Um, I at, at that point, and and then the Lions got the ball back again, and they started moving the ball like they had, and I was like, okay, well, that was nice that the offense looked kind of good to start off the 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 half, but only got three points, and they took five minutes to score three points, and 
it, it wasn't great. And then, and then the actual turning point of the game, which was that first fourth down attempt when for some reason it was like what fourth and two and they decided to throw the ball um and josh reynolds dropped it and suddenly you're like okay like here we go like if they score you're starting to do the math you're like all right if they score a touchdown in this next drive then they're only down by seven and everything's and we're 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 talking about an actual game but leading up to that i was pretty close to being like okay this is if they if they score again if the Lions score again i'm out like for real yeah, I mean, so, you know, one thing we I mentioned and we talked about really extensively in the preview was, like, the variance of the Lions. That's what they do. That's what yeah. happens when you go for it on fourth down, right? Like, you can win a game off three decisions if you choose to go for it on fourth down. Or you can lose it. And honestly, the Lions, they lost it. But that doesn't mean that I disagree with the decisions, per se. Mm-hmm. That's like a whole different discussion. And, you know, we kind of we alluded to this, too, when we were like incomprehensibly talking about what happened in that Packers game. Because we were <laughs> like, that might be the worst game we've seen them play, but they won. So, I mean, everything's cool now. And yeah, this is this game is that on on steroids. But um, right. I, I agree. I was. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The bigger difference is that they actually played really well in the second half in this game, whereas with the Packers game, it was like one or two drives at the end where they they made it happen. Absolutely. I mean, I'll I mean, I'll put it like this, right? Dan Campbell should have gone for it to end the half. Mm-hmm. And if he did, and I do think they would have converted with how much the 49ers were reeling, I think that seals the game. Yeah. That right there is the we're up 21 points. You can't stop us. You got nothing, essentially, right? Just letting up just a little bit, I think, gave the 49ers the cushion they needed. And then, of course, like, you know, everyone can sit back and argue the the value of the decision to go for it on fourth down with Reynolds. It's dropping that ball. I think Bosa did a great job getting pressure, but he really should have finished that sack. That ball yeah. shouldn't have even been thrown. But that's like, you know, the one thing we talked about with the Lions offense was you got to get Jared Goff under pressure and you got to be strong in the middle of the field. The 49ers were horrible in the middle of the field. Like, yeah, absolutely. Whatever, what the strength of their defense was exposed like big time. I mean, we can like, it got better in the second half because everything got better in the second half. But <laughs> even then, like that was a real disappointment, I think, just from the game is throughout the game. I thought the 49ers linebackers, Fred Warner and Dre Greenlaw, they played well. Don't get me wrong, especially in the second half. They cleaned up a lot of the run fits. But beyond a couple like really good breaks on the ball, which were fantastic, they were not really seen in the middle of the field. But the other thing was pressure. You got to get pressure on Jared Goff. And the 49ers pass rush was non-existent in the first half. And it flared up just enough in the second half. Like, it wasn't like 2019 where Aaron Rodgers literally couldn't breathe before D. Ford or DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, or Nick Bosa was on top of him. But that pressure, forcing Goff to take that movement up, that caused a harder pass to make. And Reynolds couldn't bring it in. If you don't push Goff in that situation, if you don't get him moving, 
he's going to complete that every time. And we saw that on the next fourth down, which was really, I think, the game decider. That flipped everything, right? Goff had to roll out. And he's like, he's not that, that's like not what he's good at. That's where he struggles. And the 49ers were finally able to put him into positions where he struggled. I mean, I think. And and yet still, you feel like that's a that's also a drop too. Like that ball was mm-hmm. in his, was mm-hmm. that Reynolds as well? I think, I think that, that was. St. Brown, who's nearby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it wasn't a, the world's best throw, but it certainly was in his hands. And I thought he caught it initially. And I was like, ah, oh, because I remember my initial reaction. I was like, oh, no, like they. They let him get it like this. That was that was the moment they needed, and then the ball hit the hit the floor, and I was like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> we're here." Mm-hmm. I mean, it was um, it was such a fat. It was like a. It was like it's a game where you like show it to someone, and you're like, "This is what momentum is in football." <laughs> you're not like, kidding. There it is, like right there, like. There's a huge argument in the analytics community about devaluing momentum because it's not modelable, right? You can't have like a momentum variable because how does that, like, you don't know how that works, but it's real, right? This is a human game with human players and the Niners were flailing everywhere. And in that first half, you could see the issues compound upon themselves. And that's what momentum is. It's not like this magical force sweeping in and suddenly like everything goes your way. It's the (laughs) fact that like as a person, you feel like pressured to do something more because you have to like stop the tide. Like it feels like you're about to give something up and that over pursuing that over eagerness, that like necessity to do something extra allows for breakdowns. I mean, you know, it was, it was an awesome game because of the second half. But in the first half, the 49ers, I think Nick Bosa said it perfectly, to paraphrase him, it was like one guy is messing up and boom, mm-hmm. they get 10 yards. Just the small, simple things, not setting the edge, not pursuing the ball, jumping into the wrong gaps, not getting pushed on the offensive line. Like, the Lions had a fantastic game plan in the first half, right? And when it was clicking, it was clicking. But it worked because the 49ers were just like, they didn't come to play like as Frank as possible. That 49ers defense did not come to play. And it took like halftime for them to realize, Oh, like this matters, you know, and Mm. you hate that it took until halftime, but when they figured it out, by God, they figured it out. And they, they, um, (laughs) you know, you, you take that defensive performance plus or minus a couple more sacks against Patrick Mahomes, and I think you'll be pretty happy because that second half, that was the type of aggression that you need to see. And I think um, yeah, it, it was just, it was aggression. Like, that's the key word. It was, we're going to attack the lines. We're not going to sit back and kind of, like, play the lines. We're going to get into man. We're going to press. We're going to blitz. We're going to put Moody Ward up against Amon Ross St. Brown, no matter where he is. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to make you beat us. You're not going to be able to get easy yards on us anymore. And that it's like something clicked. It's, it's that simple. Something clicked. And they, they, they never looked back. Yeah. Um, you know, probably helped by the fact that the, and I think the players in the post game were talking about this a lot too. Like both, both sides of the ball, like kind of 
got their act together at the same time because frankly the offense doing what it was doing without the defense doing what it did would not have mattered like if the offense had gotten clicking in the second half but the defense kept giving and that was again the the main fear in that initial drive uh of the second half that the lions had the ball after they got it to 24 to or 24 10 and you're like oh gosh they're just moving the ball again like this defense is did they learn nothing have we done nothing to to fix any of these problems and if that had continued, then it would have been like who would have, you know, the offense could have, you, you feel like the offense could have scored 90 points if at that rate. And it wouldn't have mattered because the Lions would have figured out it scored 95, like, but the defense did enough. And those two fourth downs were, were critical and they, they did what they needed to do. Um, you know, it's and both goes, both situations go to show you, as you were alluding to earlier, that 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 pressure matters uh, sometimes as much as as sacking the quarterback. Um, and those two situations, they were able to 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 put Goff under pressure. It wasn't extreme pressure, but it was enough that it changed changed both of his throws to the point where they're not converting on fourth down. And sure, you can make the argument maybe at that point you need to take see if you can get some points because especially late, especially the second one. Um, <sighs> What was the second one was when it was tied, right? Or they were down. I don't. Or was that the? Oh, it was twenty-seven twenty-four. Yeah, it was twenty-seven twenty-four. Yeah, that right? was the. That um, was they were down. Yeah, and so we're yeah. we were having this conversation in in our in our Niner Noise Slack about like why in the world do you not tie the game at that particular point? Like, there's a pretty big difference between the game is now tied versus we went for it on fourth down, we missed, and now the 49ers have the ball again, and they quickly drive down the field, and they they extend the lead um now you can second guess that all you want because if they pick up the fourth down then they have the opportunity to, to score a touchdown maybe and take the lead but yeah i mean it is it is strange how the the game turns it didn't they didn't lose because they didn't get those fourth down plays but it turned pretty heavily on those two on those two key plays where the niners were able to continue the 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 momentum as you as you alluded to um pushing forward yeah yeah i mean I mean, it's just, it's such a, it's a fascinating, fascinating, it's a fascinating game because, like, if we're being honest with ourselves, which we are, they shouldn't have won that game. They had no, no business, like, way more than the Packers game where it was like, the Packers are playing well, but they're not really dominating, right? They're doing some things here and there. The 49ers are hanging in there. 90, not even 99, like, 9,999 times out of 10,000, <laughs> you lose that game. Like, yeah. in like, in a, like more than like 5,000 of those, you get embarrassed. And we're sitting here, well, we're not sitting here today. We're sitting here on like Friday. Yeah. Cause talking we're about like, cause we're despondent talking about like how they just wasted the season. Right. Probably their best chance. Cause they didn't show up to play, but you know, I think, People will point to like fluky plays, quote unquote, the drop, Brandon Ayuk's like catch off the oh ball hitting the dude's helmet, which <laughs> you know the refs threw a flag on that. And honestly, I think if Ayuk doesn't catch that, they call pass interference on that play. Yeah. That seemed like a in the NFL in the NBA, there's like this um, incidental contact kind of rule that's right. not really a rule, but it's the way the refs go, which is like 
if it caused the player to miss the shot, then it's a foul. But if he makes it, then it's like, it's okay. Like, we don't need to. Yeah. There was just something very strange about the way that they explained it. Because they were like, well, there's no foul on the play. I'm like, why? Okay. Like, why? Why was there not? Well, he caught the ball. It's fine. Okay. Right. Sure. Okay. (laughs) Whatever. Like, Like, that's fine. Like, but it was very, it was was just very weird. Like I saw Tim Kawakami was talking about it too. He was very confused and he was at the game. So if he was at the game and confused about what was going on, you can only imagine what those of us who were sitting at home trying to figure out. Cause I was like, wait a minute. Cause the, you know, the flag thing lit up. I was like, cool. That's going to be, it's going to be pass interference down the field. And then he caught the ball, and I was like, cool, it's going to be pass interference, but who cares? And then I thought he scored, and then he didn't because he caught him with a tiny little fingertip, um, which I thought was just absolutely nuts. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 wild how much those tiny little things, like, end up mattering. And, uh, sorry, I, inter- I interrupted something you were saying, and now, and now I've now I've lost track of what I was going to say. So, um, continue. What if you could recall what you were going to say? Uh, well, so to wrap up the IU point, yeah, like so. I mean, I think that play worked out in the 49ers' favor, no matter what. But right, like things like that become magnified. But that's really like. Like, that's the type of aggression that you get because of, like, how you're pushing the envelope, right? Things, you have to, the 49ers, and they do this in the run game, which is why it's really interesting that in the pass game, we really saw this. In the run game, the 49ers will run a play, and it'll get two yards, because there's eight guys in the box. They'll run another play, three yards, because there's eight guys in the box. But the reason they're doing it, and Greg Olson said this on the broadcast, which was, I think, a perfect description, because they know that one of these can hit. And then, mm-hmm. boom, it's 60 yards and a touchdown, and this, like, and you're celebrating on the sideline. That's, like, that's aggression in the run game. You're basically saying, we're going to, like, basically bang our heads against this wall because we're no, we know it's going to break. Like, you give us enough reps, it's going to break. The and pass the game is like that it broke. I yep. mean, <laughs> McCaffrey had that fantastic run. Oh my gosh! And you, wore, and you wore the the Lions down. But the pass game is similar, right? You throw the ball down the field. Yeah, they might intercept it. They often will half the time. But you get plays like that. The 49ers, I think, have struggled in this these playoffs, and and this goes to everyone. This is not like a just Kyle Shanahan, just Steve Wilkes. This is the players too with an aggression, right? They've been, I think, passive as a, I guess, as a franchise in these playoffs. There's been a lot of sit back, wait, and kind of let the game flow. But when they press the issue, they get things done. And, you know, against a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you got to press the issue, right? You're going to have to, you're going to have to potentially lose some to win some. But I mean, to, kind of get to what I think my overall point was, which is um, <laughs> before you were so rudely interrupted. <laughs> it was a, it was such an, it was a fantastic game, but I think it was really a, like the decisions that are magnified in this game from the 49ers side have to be like, like, I think that you catch legendary, incredible, mm-hmm. If they win the Super Bowl, 
that's something that's going to be shown like on replays five, ten years from now. Apparently, it wasn't wasn't number one on Sports Center top ten though for some reason. He was pretty he was pretty peeved about that. That's insane. But anyway, (laughs) you know what? Not my not 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 a problem. But um, go ahead. You know the the real the things is like Brock Purdy scramble, right? Just the little things. Just take the fight to the Lions and they won. They and yeah, were they a little lucky in that? Yes. The Lions Maybe. not drop a ball or two here. They win the game, probably. But the only reason they got into a situation where the Lions could essentially help them win the game as well, right, is mm-hmm. by forcing the issue, is by putting the Lions in a position where, you know, they have to make big decisions and make big plays. You got to, like, that's, that's how this entire that's – it, that's how it works, Right. That's that's like that's what this whole momentum thing is, is like when you force the issue and another team feels like their backs against the wall and they have to do something, they're going to make mistakes. It's human nature. And the 49ers, it took them a half, but they figured it out. They were like, if we press, things will happen and things happen. The IU catch, the Jameer Gibbs fumble, right, the drop on third down. These are things that happen when you when players and teams are pressing and this isn't to say like the lines are soft or weak or some you know nonsense like that absolutely not quite the opposite this is just this is the reality of how like sports work right everyone's human and you're forcing a human to like make these high intense situations they're in their head about it cuz they have to be it's such a it's a huge play yeah. right and you know you catch something you drop something they catch something they drop something but when you can be at ease, when you're like in like the perfect state of mind you want to be at, it's way easier. And I think the 49ers, they won this game because they were able to get the Lions outside their comfort zone. And it took them a half to do it, but they finally did it. Yeah. Well, and you have to wonder if there was the extenuating circumstances of how long this franchise has been living under the 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 depression of being horrible and and the zero and sixteen season and all those other things that have happened to them in years leading up to this, you gotta wonder if eventually that that starts to like weigh on you in a negative way. Like it's good to have that that behind you, but eventually you gotta be like, oh man, we're playing for a whole city. Like oh gosh, like <laughs> like that that feels like the weight of that would be would be difficult to 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 undertake. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. Um, we should say thank you to the ladybug that landed on Brandon Ike's foot. That was, <laughs> oh, that was low key. The funniest, like when he said that, I was like, what he do? Is he do what now? <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Uh, it was like perfect. Like ap- great. Wonderful dude. Yep. Yep. Whoever that ladybug is. I, I think I said I think I said somewhere I was like get that if the 49ers win a Super Bowl we got to get that ladybug a ring because he or she deserve are they all girls I don't know um, if they're all females or something I'm not sure how that works um, but that <laughs> the fact that that was the first thing that popped into his head like he's on national television getting interviewed about the about the biggest game that he's ever played in his life and he's like well. A ladybug landed on my food, on my shoe earlier, and I just knew everything was going to be okay. I'm like, cool, cool. I like you, Brandon. I you can stick around for a while. Um, good stuff, good stuff. Um, 
I mean, we could talk about this game forever. I mean, we could talk about how important it was that Debo Samuel played in this game. Like, where would they have been without him? Uh, he mm-hmm. was utterly fantastic. Um, you know, Christian McCaffrey, as you said, was banging his head against the wall for the majority of the game. He made this big deal out of the fact that, like, the Lions were all they had four players that had more rushing yards than him at halftime. Well, he ended up with, you know, it was an okay game. It wasn't like world beating kind of thing. But, you know, he did what he needed to do and was also useful out of the backfield and had a couple of good blitz picks up pickups in the backfield as well. And I mean, Kyle used check all over the place. I mean, <laughs> just like coming out of nowhere, finally doing the, the you know, the offensive weapon things. Uh, just the fact that he has not really been a, like a, as a pass catcher or, or a runner been like a major integral part of this this offense this season. I mean, he does what he he has obviously a, an important key part of this. We've seen throughout his tenure here what has happened when he's been out. But, like, you know, those two catches that he made were both just fantastic and, and massive. I mean, Jawan Jennings would, like, if it hadn't been for the IU catch, Jawan Jennings would have had the catch of the game. But his suddenly looks, I mean, it's still, like, highly impressive. But it's, like, <laughs> like the fact that that's the second most impressive catch of this entire game is is crazy. Um, Honestly, you know, I would say more impressive. Ayuk's concentration to get that off the bounce, very, very impressive. But Jennings, I mean, mm-hmm. one hand up, receipt, corner <laughs> right in his chest, pins that against the corner and brings it down. I mean, yeah. what a – this is like what a play. That's the thing, right? It's like you look through this game, you're saying, and it's like, he made a play. Debo made a play. Ayuk made a play. Jennings made a play. Kittle made a play. Juszczyk made a play. McCaffrey made a play. Mitchell made a play. You go mm-hmm. out the defense. Gray made a play. Fred made a play. Bosa made a play. You know, Chase Young, not a fantastic game, but he got into the backfield a couple times. You know, Gibson with an incredible fumble forced. Yeah. Logan Ryan tripping up David Montgomery in the backfield when they brought him in a slot corner. Basically iced the game for the 49ers. Of course, mm-hmm. they give up the touchdown of the next play. But, you know, Jair Brown with some great tackles. It's like, really, it was um, it was exactly what you wanted to see. It's like, in the second half, your stars needed to play like stars. And they did. They yep. absolutely did. I mean, this is the benefit of having such a talented roster. Is you have players who can make those game-changing plays everywhere yeah 100 percent um not to not to sidetrack this any further because we I think we need to like lay in the plane a little bit but have you seen <laughs> there's a there's a freeze frame of, of jennings catch i think it's why the ball like is right in his hand and about to come in i have i don't know who it is but there is a one of the lions defensive backs so brandon ayuk is by brandon ayuk is behind the play and one of the lions defensive back has literally jumped on his back Oh my gosh. And his face is hilarious because he's got this like wide eyed, like, oh my gosh, is this guy about to catch that football? Like the realization that we couldn't have defended this any better. And yet Brock Purdy ran around like a crazy person and then chucked a ball that he probably, in fairness, had absolutely no business throwing. Uh, and it's going to work out. It's pretty funny. Like, <laughs> go look it up. I, again, I don't know who it is. I, I want to say. I, I don't know. It's speculation at this point. I can't even really tell, but it's pretty. It's a pretty hilarious picture. 
And also, like, why is he on his back? I don't understand what he's doing. And it may be like a trick of the the the, the camera, but it certainly looks like he's he's got his arms around the around Brandon Ayuk's head, like as if he's giving him a piggyback ride. It's pretty hilarious. Um, yeah. All right. So <laughs> this has been a more one of the more unusual episodes of this podcast. I think that's pretty safe to say, but. Again, how do you how do you really have a traditional response to this game? Um, one of the most bizarre, absolutely thrilling, but also f- gloriously frustrating games of my sports watching experience. Um, and you know, we'll talk about the, the Super Bowl when the time comes. I, I think we're going to take the rest of this week off just to like not think about things and and reflect and then obviously as we'll get into the the preview of the middle of next week or maybe late next week as we get closer to the game but um or we could do a pro bowl episode i'm just kidding (laughs) there are a bunch (laughs) of pro bowl spots open though so congratulations to all the alternates because uh the niners had a lot of spots that they were that they were using nine of them to be exact that are now open uh to somebody so we'll see how deep the uh do they i don't know the alternates thing seems silly in the fact in in that they don't play an actual football game anymore. So, but you know, it'll be a nice opportunity for, I don't know. Does Jalen hurts get to go to the pro bowl now or what? How does this work? I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Um, so congratulations to those people and whoever in the AFC made it. Cause the chiefs are not going somebody for sure. All right. Akshaz <laughs> weirdest episode ever. Um, but do you have any final thoughts before we can, before we completely go off the rails you know um it's a crazy episode i think but these playoffs have been equally unhinged right like there's a way we can go through this and we'd be like one thing we liked and one thing we didn't like but you said this before it was so funny i want to mention this to everyone who's listening (laughs) one thing we liked the second half one thing we didn't like the first half i mean you know this game this, this game was ridiculous. It was absolutely ridiculous. And like we said after the Packers game, we can look at this and like try to like more cogently analyze what didn't work and what did work. But the reality is Detroit is not like Kansas City. They're not like Green Bay. Each game in the playoffs is unique and different. And we saw that. We saw the Niners were sluggish against the Packers, but they eventually like but they were hanging in there against the Lions. They were dead to rights, and then they took care of it. And as we'll talk about next week, the Kansas City Chiefs are a completely different story with a completely different challenge. But the one thing that I think, you know, is really, really important to recognize is that the 49ers had one goal this year, as we've said a ton of times, and as they've said a ton of times, it's to win the Super Bowl. That's the only thing they care about. Nothing else matters. But that doesn't mean that we can't appreciate everything that's happening along the way. There's one more game. This definitely isn't, you know, the end-all, be-all. They still got a vanquish a demon in Vegas that goes by the name of Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. But And Taylor Swift. Oh, wait, no. She's not involved. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just kidding, Taylor, if you're listening continue (laughs) we just um we just we witnessed history last night right the 49ers played in 
a game that will be remembered no matter what in two cities, one in a very negative light, then here in absolutely the like most amazing spectacular light. But you know, just like last year with Brock Purdy kind of taking the reins, the field goal's good story only stays feel good if it ends with a happy ending, right? Mm-hmm. This run, this playoff run, has been incredible. It's the kind of stuff that 30 for 30s are like made off of. It's but you only get that, you get the parade, you get the rings, you get the like legacy and glory if you take care of business in two weeks. And I think, you know, the 24-hour rule, they can celebrate this game because they had a fantastic, incredible game. One of the best, I think, both of us have ever seen the 49ers play in all the circumstances and how they were able to come back. But it's time to change focus because there's one more. And, I mean, if they win against Kansas City, this will cement not only what an incredible year it was, but what an incredible stretch it's been for the 49ers. They need one game. They need to win one game to kind of legitimize their place in the pantheon of football teams because they've had as good a five-year run as you can ask for. They're just missing one final victory, and they have a chance to get that in two weeks. Yeah. Well, it took George Kittle uh, four years, but he's back with that vengeance that he said that he would be uh, after the end of the Super Bowl in 2020. So good for him. Um, got to see Kittle back. Let's let's do the business, George. Um, all right. Well, thanks as always for listening to this slightly deranged episode of the Nine and Noise podcast, part of the Fan Sided Podcast Network. Uh, please continue to check out NineAndNoise.com throughout the next two weeks as we go into Super Bowl 58. Um, for all your latest 49ers news and analysis, and be sure to rate and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. And of course, share it with all your fellow 49er fan friends. So until next time, let's sound the horn, 49ers. Uh-huh.